Today on the Topping Show, Victoria's Secret kicks morbidly obese and trans models to the curb in favor of beautiful models after losing nearly $1 billion in sales. But like Buffalo Tweet is lukewarm for their three remaining fans and their farm of bots. Ford could face $1 billion in federal fines due to new fuel laws. DeSantis' tweet for Florida donated pallets of supplies for Israel goes viral. Tesla profits crashed 44% fiscal Q3. Rivian stock dropped 9.1% in a single day. Ford F-150 Lightning are just sitting on dealerships gathering dust. And Nokia to lay off 14,000 employees if only they sold more cell phones. All that much for on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, see their founder released twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. It's a joke, you see, that that's me. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October. So if you could click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Tesla profits crash after they offer discounts and a crash precipitously by 44%. That is not so much good news, which explains why the stock went down by quite a few points. Now, it looks like the price increase did help them with their revenue, so that's pretty good. But again, it crashed 44%. And to be clear, that's compared, compared to the same fiscal period, that'd be fiscal Q3 in 2022. Now, their net income was $1.85 billion for Q3, so they're still making a pretty penny. Well, I should say, pennies these days are actually disgustingly worthless. They're made out of 99.99% zinc, whereas back in the day, they used to be made out of a semi-precious metal called copper, which has a myriad of uses. And, but nevertheless, it's still a pretty good chunk of change, as maybe a better metaphor might be. However, their earnings per share fell 53 cents. It was at 95 cents per share, and it went down 53 cents per share. Which, again, I don't give financial advice. I, I, in terms of gambling, I always tell people the best gamble you can make is gamble on yourself, like starting a small business, going to, I was going to say college, but these days, eh, perhaps not. But nevertheless, that's not great news for Tesla, which for most of my life and most of the company's life, they've been known as a premium product. Granted, it's not going to last as long as a Rolex, since a Rolex will last generations and EVs will usually last, well, they're basically disposable things, very similar to cell phones in the terms of their construction, you're locked in, you can't fix it, and it's a giant lithium battery that's subsequently uh, very volatile. But nevertheless, some people would prefer them, and they bought them up in droves. Tesla came out with their first vehicle, well, first mass-produced vehicle with a Model S, it was well over six figures. And it worked. I mean, a lot of the early adopters were buying into the movement of EVs, what they thought was green technology, and they were willing to pay, pay a premium for that service. Now, let me know in the comments if you disagree, but I feel like they're out of those premium early adopters when it comes to EV technologies. Everyone who wanted to be on the bleeding edge, and whatever industry it is, whether it's watches or thermoses or laptops, there's always some people who will pay a premium to be on the bleeding edge. They want to be the coolest kid on the block, as some might say. And they want to have the newest, some would say the greatest technologies. And they pay a premium for it. Well, those people, they already have their Teslas and the Rivians. So now they have to go from the mass, mass, mass consumer base, which they're much more price sensitive. So Tesla did come out with their mid-tier SUV, which cost a fraction of the original Model S. 
they captured that market share pretty successfully too. I think the only real competition is the, I, mean, I almost squirm in disgust as I try to say the word, the Ford Mustang Emoc, which again is a bastardized use of the name I know. The Ford Mustang you and I love and know has three pedals, also known as manual transmission, as every vehicle should have, added a good old-fashioned V8 internal combustion engine. Nevertheless, Ford, for their marketing reasons, decided to cross to title their crossover little mini electric SUV as the Mustang E-Mach. And those are pretty much the most popular SUVs I would venture when it comes to the EV marketplace. And yes, they were less than $100,000, so they got a new price point down. Well, now it's not just Tesla. The overall industry trend of people buying EVs is decreasing precipitously. Perhaps Americans don't like the idea of having a disposable vehicle. Maybe they all like to buy, well, I don't know, a good old Honda like myself because my Honda has three pedals, as every vehicle should, also known as manual transmission and an internal combustion engine. Also no union, so I don't have to worry about my parts if anything does break, but it won't, statistically speaking, because it's Honda, so it'll last a quarter of a century and a million miles. There's a reason my family still drives a 2001 Honda Accord. Things bulletproof, or damn near. Now, it looks like in terms of Tesla, what they say is going to be their outlook, and they think, oh yeah, great things are right around the corner. Well, they did get that additional revenue, and of course, with economies of scale, there's a couple discounts that help out when you buy anything in bulk, raw materials, or components, or widgets for the vehicles. Every industry, basically, you get a price break. So I understand why there are also benefits to them having greater revenue by selling a greater volume of vehicles. And they do claim that the Cybertruck truck should be delivered right around the corner in November. However, let me know in the comments, what are the, what are the Las Vegas odds for that? I remember talking to a friend who put a deposit down, shoot, it must have been four years ago or so? So it'll be interesting to see, but as I say, time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have Rivian stock dropping 9.8% in a single day. And of course, the CEO claims the bond issue, it's not really, it's not a really big deal. It's not an issue at all. Now, this is after a couple weeks back, the stock dropped precipitously 22.88%. And that was because they were going to say they're going to have to raise an additional $1.5 in convertible debt, which they claim will help them offset their concern around their you know, bleeding money left and right about losing, I believe, thirty-six or $38,000 per vehicle sold. Which again, if you look at the trend of the company, they were losing over, I believe, a quarter million dollars per vehicle sold. So they're losing less and less money. So they're on the right direction. However, they're running about, they're running out of the cash in the bank. And with Rivian especially, there are a lot of early adopters for the technology. I swear that silly commercial where the little truck will turn itself around like 360 degrees with little, all the independent motors moving. That sold more of those silly trucks than any standard commercial you see on the sports ball, sports spot when they're watching the Super Bowl or whatever people watch these days on the television. It was brilliant. A lot of my friends, they put down deposits. They were all excited to get the Rivian and they got it. And they have one or two recalls, but they weren't detrimental. That one was just a silly little loose bolt that, again, nothing, no life-threatening recalls yet. Although a hacker could just hack into the vehicle and take it over. But nevertheless, nothing major has happened with the company. Now, that means it dropped down the share all the way down to $18.09 per share, which is terrible. Their IPO is over $100. In fact, and again, it's always a little tricky to cover stock because in terms of it fluctuates on a second basis or so it seems. So by the time I publish and edit this video, the numbers may vary, but overall, conceptually, they should be about the same. But if we just go, what's their IPO at? Rivian stock. Let's look at the trend. Looks like last Friday it dropped 5% in a single day. Jeez Louise. 
So I'll go to their max. So their IPO was $129.95. So that's November 12th, 2021. So I was about to say Tesla. They're actually doing good. Well, not so great because of the profits that they can be erased. But nevertheless, Rivian has lost 86.79% of the stock's value thus far. That's a lifetime value of the stock since their IPO. And again, with a lot of their IPOs, sometimes they're overvaluated. And there's a lot of hype because, again, there's a huge fear of missing out, especially the EVs. The FOMO is huge, the fear of missing out. Everyone is kicking themselves for not buying Tesla back in the day when it was, I'll never forget, it was about $20 a share when I was in college. And everyone's kicking themselves and they feel like they lost out. Because they did. People became exuberantly wealthy because they gambled and they believed in Tesla at the time they bought the stock. So ever since that big phenomenon, again, Tesla's the only successful American automobile company to succeed in terms of a startup since Chrysler. So that's quite a big gap of time. Now, Rivian, yes, they are American, and we'll see if they make it. But yeah, the competitor, Lordstown, that EV company, which, of course, makes sense. They're based in Lordstown. They subsequently they went bankrupt, I believe, two and a half, three weeks ago. So it's a huge, huge risk. Now, it'll be interesting to see. Again, their market cap is eviscerated down to $16.27 billion. That's it? So they're worth $16 billion. Tesla's worth, in terms of the market cap, $689.71 billion. So in terms of the underdog, Rivian is certainly the underdog. And, of course, they've been having money where they're losing left and right. They're bleeding money. Consumers are adapting EV vehicles less and less, perhaps because they don't want a disposable vehicle. And they actually want something that will last, you know, more than 10 years. Which, again, I know some Americans buy a new car every single year because they're exuberantly wealthy or foolish with money and just go into debt or something. My family tends to drive them until the wheels fall off. Although we buy Japanese, so the wheels usually don't fall off because they're darn near bulletproof or as close as possible. Now, in terms of the CEO feedback, when someone asks Rivian for comment, they go, well, aren't you concerned? You just said you're going to raise more debt, but you say it's not accurate. So they asked Mr. RJ, uh, Mr. Scaringe, actually, they asked him and he said, quote, it's from the CEO. We don't control the macroeconomic environment. We cannot control the political conflict and those are real risks that existed not just to Rivian, unquote. He also continued to explain that there's a, quote, risk at our capital markets and liquidity available, unquote. Which is very true in terms of back in the day, and I say back in the day as if it was a lifetime ago, seemingly it was, perhaps 48 months. There was a time where cash was basically free in the United States. A lot of businesses were propped up, especially in tech companies and tech community, with basically interest-free loans, or damn near interest-free loans, and they would use it to fund the companies. I mean, but now interest rates are higher than many could possibly conceive. Certainly in past, I would say, a couple of decades, it is prohibitively high. So that's why you're seeing every company, even social media companies, shift from they, all they care about is market share and number of users to now it's how profitable are you. It's a huge shift in the types of investments that we've seen lately. Now, in terms of Rivian increasing their losses, in terms, well, I should say decreasing their losses, and increasing their outlook as a company, it looks like in terms of the price or the amount of vehicle, the amount of capital they lost or how much money they lost per vehicle is decreasing. So specifically, in Q3 2022, they lost $139,000 per vehicle sold. Q4 2022, they lost $124,000 per vehicle sold. Q1 2023, they lost $67,000 per vehicle sold. And Q3 2023, they lost $33,000 per vehicle sold. So Granted, I know there's a lot of uncertainty right now. People are not purchasing as frequently as they used to. 
But if they keep that same trajectory up, in theory, they should be breaking even soon. And in theory, even maybe get into a profit in the next upcoming fiscal quarters. Unfortunately, this is a very inopportune time because there are a myriad of things that are kneecapping the American economy, well, global economy, really. And again, the thing that kills a lot of businesses, because a lot of deals and sales, kills a lot of initiatives, is uncertainty. You see that? And then the political uncertainty, that's very true. A lot of these EV companies are being propped up by subsidies and mandates and basically the EPA kneecapping the big three, the big three being known as GM, Ford, and Stellantis, which are best known for making internal combustion engines. GM used to make a great vehicle with the stick shift Camaro and the Corvette until they subsequently killed the Camaro. It's now going to be rumored to be come back as a four-door EV, which, disgusting to say the least, yeah, especially because you know it's going to have, of course, they only have two pedals EV. And the Corvette, they already killed that by having only two pedals, and now they have a hybrid option, which is something I'm sure motor enthusiasts are asking for. <laughs> That's a joke, because, yeah, they, they do not want that. But, nevertheless, I'm sure they'll have 18 happy customers who purchase the vehicle. So let me know in the comments, do you think is now the time to buy Rivian? They're, in terms of the all-time low, and I'm curious in terms of what the historicals are, they're not quite an all-time low. It looks like they're they're all-time or 52-week low when you look at the 52-week outlook, which, fun fact of the day, you know, public schools don't teach, well, actual things in terms of, they usually teach political identities, but back in the day when schools actually taught things like mathematics, science, and history, they had a lot of value. But nevertheless, in terms of nowadays, I'm going to do add more value than an average public school in the United States. A 52-week high, 52, there are 52 weeks in a calendar year. We have now just provided more education than some public schools in the United States, which is quite detrimental and sad, but nevertheless, accurate. Now, it looks like the 52-week high was $36.45, but the 52-week low was $11.62 per share. So they're not at an all-time low at the current moment, but they are certainly at a discount. Now, the multi-billion dollar question is, by raising the money with the bonds, depending on how and when they convert, it converts to stock. So there's a lot of uncertainty there, and they could end up diluting the stock. There's a lot of uncertainty with that in particular. But the really question is, the multi-billion dollar question is now the time to buy, which I have, I venture not to say just because, hmm, what I, well, it's an EV company, so. I wouldn't be a big fan. I've never purchased one, and I only like to invest in companies I really believe in and really would, in theory, want to own the whole company, that kind of mentality. But nevertheless, in terms of an EV company, they seem to be doing better than competition. I mean, that's not saying much because, again, Lordstown just ran bankrupt a couple weeks back. Uh, Lordstown EV, that is. And it'll be interesting to see. I know Lucid is at, they're doing even worse with the price per share uh, under $5 per share. Jesus Louise. So it'll be interesting to see, again, the truck market, it's basically, I think the truck market for EVs has been fulfilled. You've seen this with slowing orders from Ford, who makes the Ford F-150 Lightning for all 13 of the people who wanted to purchase it. And of course, the Cybertruck will get to the market eventually. I wouldn't put any money on it. They're saying November. Again, I don't know what the Las Vegas odds are for that, though. But let me know in the comments. Would you be a buyer at Rivian stock now that it's a mere, yeah, $18? Per share, it'll be interesting to see, but let me know in the comments. It'd be faster to hear what you have to say. Other interesting business news you have the Ford F 150 Lightning truck sitting at dealerships and gathering dust. 
In fact, about 22% of all units manufactured are not sold. So nearly one, and I go public schools are all time low in terms of their test scores, you know, math, science, history, because teachers are more indoctrinating students than actually teaching them. So we'll do a little bit of math here today or a little fun fact of the day to help offset the lack of knowledge provided in public schools. Now, 22% is close to 25. 25% is one out of four. So nearly one out of four or a quarter of all F-150 Lightning trucks ever produced have not been sold. They're gathering dust. Now, this is according to Car Edge, and they say that there are more than 18,000 Ford F-150 Lightning listed, 8,128 as a writing of that article that they covered. And this is a reference to Car Edge. And they noted that through the end of September, Ford had sold 12,260 F-150 Lightnings in the U.S., which I'm actually shocked they sold that many. That's a lot of people who are buying a truck that can't tow anything. But don't make it, maybe it's like the sports balls players in Chicago who buy a Lamborghini but never take it more than 18 miles an hour because you're in Chicago. With the exception of uh, as when, you know, when you're trying to dodge bullets, it might go up to 45 miles per hour to try to dodge it, maybe. Now, they also note that it is up 40% year over year in terms of the volume of the units sold. They say that includes 3,503 in the third quarter, which is that particular quarter is down 46% year over year. Wow. The cumulative number being 27,877 units. And they say that if we combine the numbers vehicle sold, so 27,877, and the list of dealers, 8,128, then it turns out that total is over 36,000. That provides us with the production numbers since the beginning of 2022 and indicates that old sold vehicles account for 22% of all vehicles produced. Now, this also shows you the slowing adaption rate of people who want to buy an EV. Can't help think, but subsequently because they don't want something that will break in 10 years or not work in 10 years. And it's also basically a smartphone that can only be fixed by one person, the original manufacturer. And this is also after they dropped prices by about 15 grand for some of the trim levels on the Ford F-150 Lightning. Which again, if you're a city guy and you want a truck, but you don't want the truck to work, it might make sense. Cause if you're in the city, you only go maybe 20 miles a day. I'm not saying there's no use case for why it shouldn't exist. I'm just wondering, is there enough units is there enough demand, enough people wanting it to justify it existing and in it to make a fiscal positive impact on the company? Or is this just going to drain resources from the company? As remember, the only reason right now Ford is profitable is because of Ford Blue. Ford Blue is the thing that everyone knows and loves. It's the good old Ford Mustang, the real one, the Ford F-150, the one with the internal combustion engine. It's the traditional internal combustion engine fleet or ICE fleet. Though, they do not pay any royalties to Vanilla Ice, interestingly enough. Perhaps karma for him ripping off that other band. But nevertheless, they also have Ford Commercial, which is all the ginormous trucks that you know, and they have the Ford EV part of the company. So it's split into three. The only thing that's really making, the EV is bleeding money. And these Ford, well, I'm sorry, almost as if uh, I almost threw up. The E, the Mustang e Mach, that's gathering more dust on dealership lots as well. And again, it's not, it's not just because EVs are not great long-term investments, but it's also because you have record high rates for interest. So if you buy a car, if you have to buy a car right now, it's going to cost you quite a lot. And also, I mean, shoot, depending on what kind of lease you get, it'll probably, or depending on what kind of loan you get, by the time you pay it off, the EV might have a dead battery and subsequently be worth next to nothing. So in terms of prudent financial decisions, at this point with the technology we have today, Buying EV just isn't one for most use cases. 
granted, if you work at the company, you get the friends and family discount. If you work at, uh, I was about to say General Motors, most of the big three in terms of GM, Ford, and Chrysler had that those discounts, like other companies as well. But in terms of if you go, why you go to Michigan, and you see so many GM vehicles and so many Ford vehicles and Chrysler vehicles. It's because they have a friend or family that works at one of the big three, and they have a huge, massive discount, which is quite an interesting phenomenon if you ever drive around up in Michigan. I don't recommend it for your safety. If you do, you'd have to pay to have an upgraded armored vehicle or a very fast vehicle to dodge all the crime. But nevertheless, a fascinating area to go visit, some might say. So it'll be interesting to see, do you want an F-150 Lightning? Would you ever buy one? I mean, ever since they had that phenomenon where they had Hoobie, who's a popular, very popular YouTuber, he get the F-150 Lightning and he actually towed an original Ford Model T. And when he tried to tow it, of course, he got barely anywhere because again, with the physics we have now, with the technology we have now, the materials we have now with EVs, Towing is terrible for EVs. It basically turns it into, the range is basically nothing. The only good use case I can see right now with the technology we have today for an EV semi-truck or an SUV is for a company like PepsiCo Frito-Lay. And it wouldn't work for the soft drinks because soft drinks are, you know, liquids are very heavy. But for the actual chips, popcorn, basically the 68% of the salty snacks you see in the salty snack aisle are manufactured by Frito-Lay. For them, that makes perfect business sense to have a semi-truck move their products because the products are basically weightless or darn near. You see the meme where actually people turn 20 bags of chips into a life raft because there's so much air in that it, it is actually buoyant. But nevertheless, that is one use case. But let me know in the comments, can you think of a different use case that would justify getting an F-150 Lightning? And would you ever buy one? I mean, they only come with two pedals, not two. And personally, I would want three. So unfortunately, if I own a truck, there's only one good truck for me, and that'd be the Toyota Tacoma. Because the United States, that's the one truck you can buy that still has three pedals. Like every vehicle should by default, because it's the most fun, optimal experience you could possibly have. Also known as a managed transmission. Also known as, if you don't have one now, buy it before they're gone. Tell a friend, it is one of the most exhilarating, fun experiences you could have. I can't recommend it enough. But it will be interesting to see. Let me know. I'd be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Now going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Victoria's Secret tossing morbidly obese and trans models... To the curb after their sales tanked by nearly $1 billion, now going back to the roots and hiring attractive models. Who would have thought deviating so much for your core competency and your core customer would basically kneecap the company and detrimentally destroy it? Now, this is thanks to a New York Post article. They noted that the brand had recently tried to be more inclusive and they even... No way. They even hired LGBTQ, uh, LGBT pro-woman soccer player and leftist activist Megan Rapinoe at, no, as, a, as someone for the brand that can't be right. They really hired that soccer player? Megan Rapinoe. Oh, this is probably going to... This will be an example of, thank God you actually can't see the things that I'm trying to show you. Let me know if you have the software because I'm trying to, beta, trying to find one that will work so I can do the picture-in-picture picture, so that way... You can watch the videos when I play them. And I tried a couple, keep having some issues. So unfortunately, I'm going to actually check. Oh, 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 dear God. They did. I can't, they did. So Megan Rapinoe, which again, do not search on your phone for your images, your eyes. I'm not saying your eyes will melt out like the last part of Indiana Jones where they open the Ark of the Covenant and their eyes and faces melt. I'm not saying it's 100% guaranteed that'll happen. I'm saying... It's not a 0% chance that could happen. Granted, you also might want that to happen after seeing Megan Rapinoe. 
model for Victoria's Secret. Dear God. Now, that was the perhaps that, was, that wasn't even the craziest transgression. They also had hired morbidly obese models, as well as trans models. So biological men who are transitioning to women, displaying women clothing or women women undergarments, which. Again, I'm not saying everyone shouldn't have underwear. So I was going to say, depending on who they are, I would wish they have a copious amount of underwear. Even protect, perhaps say, what they use for covers. Uh, the big blankets they use to cover Humvees in Afghanistan when we go over there. That very well might be an appropriate garment for some people. But again, it's all about a business core competency. What are you great at? What is your customer? That's the most important thing in business. Know your customer. doesn't matter if you make widgets, watches, guns, cars. Um, staplers, know who's buying your product and cater to them. Now, it looks like according to the fiscals of how they shot themselves in the foot, their brand projected revenue, let me see here, was, looks like the projected revenue is $6.2 billion for 2023, 5% lower than last year, and even lower than 2020. When the revenue was $7.5 billion. That's quite a big drop. And of course, they hired Megan Rapinoe, who, again, it's one of those ridiculous cultural phenomenons and business phenomenons. Very similar to Disney hiring, what is that insufferable girl? The Snow White actress or attempted actress? Oh, what is her? She's the definition of insufferable. Oh, Disney. Hmm. Now, what is that? Disney, Snow, Ra oh yeah, Rachel Zegler. You, how dumb is a company to hire a person who hates the company that's hiring them? That's what Disney did with that. And she lambasts the movie she's going to be in every time she is in front of a camera. Which again, if you're a consumer, why would you see the movie if the main person in the movie is saying it's terrible? They're saying the original artwork is terrible, the original work is terrible. The same thing happened here with Megan Rapinoe, which again, I... Victoria's Secret, in terms of marketing, husbands are supposed to see that and go, hey, that would look great on my wife. I'm going to go buy that for her. Or a wife wants to impress her husband. She goes there, or her boyfriend, she goes there. She buys a product. She visualizes herself with the product. She visualize, he visualizes his wife wearing the product. No one wants, I can't fathom, who wants to see Megan Rapinoe? Who, how many sales did that inspire? Again, I'm not saying it's zero. Well, actually, their sales went down by a couple billion, so negative. So actually, yeah, it is worse than zero. Now it looks like, just like Rachel Zegler with di roasting her own employer, Disney, Meg Rapinoe did the same thing, lambasting and roasting Victoria's Secret. Now it looks like Meg Rapinoe called out the brand before they did their revamp and claiming that it was really harmful and sexist. Oh, geez Louise. She said, quote, patriarchal sexist viewing not just what they meant to be sexy, but what the clothes were trying to accomplish through the male lens and through what men desired, unquote. And it was, and she continued to, uh, I was going to say, speech is perhaps too advanced of a term for her. She attempted to continue to speak by saying, quote, and it was very much marketed toward younger women, unquote. Which, again, look at who's buying your product. Yeah, no duh. So she was lambasting the company, critiquing the company. And of course, they tried, they did this whole revamp and they hired all these attempted models. Well, like, no, I guess they were technically successful. And it looks like their brand president, Greg Eunice, even said very proudly, sexiness can be inclusive, unquote. 
And he, of course, this gets even more ridiculous. He says, quote, sexiness can celebrate the diverse experiences of our customers, and that's what we're focused on, unquote. No. Ridiculous. For decades, you've been known as the premium brand. People spend more money for your product to look beautiful. You're going for a niche market. Not everyone is beautiful. I hate the fact that you have to remind everyone that not everyone deserves a trophy. I know Americans have been programmed to think they all deserve a trophy just for showing up these days, or more realistically, just waking up in the morning. They don't even show up. But they are making, they're very successful. He, the, the original founder of the company, revamped it, and they really found their niche in the market. I mean, if it comes to mass appeal, and I mean that, moderate, you know, pun intended for larger people, but there's nothing wrong with that model, but that's a different brand. It's the same reason you're not going to have a Cadillac cost twenty cost twenty thousand dollars, but they would lose money because again they're a premium brand. They put better material in theory. They put better materials in it. Well, I would say they do for the Cadillac CTS-V where they actually have a stick shift because those are pretty awesome. It's very exhilarating to drive that vehicle, to be honest. But again, Victoria's Secret was trying to go from a niche market to the whole market. Which, if you're going after the whole market, you're inherently with that business model, you're alienating. This is your very first incumbent customer. I mean, the parallels between this and Disney are ridiculously clear to say the least. And again, it's one of those things where they're very successful at that. And it's, I can't fathom how many people, how many customers do they turn away because of this business blunder of the century? Perhaps this would be more appropriate for the end of the show where we talk about the business blunder of the day. Seemingly, there are so many that we could probably make the whole show about that. But Again, most important thing in business is know your audience, know your customer, know your prospective customer. And in this case, they seems like they, they knew all that and they just said, in spite of it, we're just going to do what the peer pressures want us to do. We're not going to say, no, we've been a niche company for decades. We are making a great, we're making a profit, make a premium, make a premium undergarments for folks. But no, they wanted to go for the mass audience and the mass audience, everyone said, no, very similar to everyone's kind of like the Lizzo phenomenon where everyone says Lizzo is beautiful, which again, I dare you to tell a woman that because it's one of those lies that we were told as a society. So again, if you want to make underwear for everyone, including big gals, trans, if you want to do that, make a new business for that. Make a new brand. The power of a brand lasts decades, but can be destroyed in seconds. So let me know in the comments. Fiscally speaking, they lost, but how bad do you think it will get? Do you think anyone will return to the brand after this? I'm surprised they didn't slash prices at the same time and try to sell us for $1.99. Just throw out the whole kit and caboodle. Now, looks like Chief, Ex Chief Executive Martin Walters also later admitted that the inclusivity initiatives were not profitable for the company, saying, quote, despite everyone's best endeavors, it's not been enough to carry the day. Now, it looks like the company's new goal is to improve profitability and cross over $7 billion in annual sales. Now, they also claim to meet that objective. They're going to roll out active activewear and swimwear, updating their existing stores to about, and open up 400 new ones in the United States. Now, again, those are good business ideas because, again, the fact that they didn't invent Lululemon or whatever the heck they call those little, uh, little uh, skin-tight pant thingamajinks, the leggings, the fact Victoria's Secret didn't invent that is a business blunder in and of itself. They need some innovation. But again, stick to your core customer. Know what they want. And in doing so, they will reward you with more and more business and your brand will increase in value over time. With such a big kneecapping on the company, I don't know 
how this is going to bounce back. And interestingly enough, there are some comments, thankfully, on this. And I can't help but wonder, there, will there might be two or three people who are very disappointed in this. But I can't help but think most of them will think, be thinking, yeah, probably time best to do the most profitable thing. So without further ado, let's dive into the comments. I don't want to say this person gets like a, a kudos of the day, but it is, it is, uh, it is pretty good. Well, uh, there, there's some, there's, there's a niche in the market for juvenile humor. This person's name is H-U-G-H, huge, and last name is Janus, J-A-N-U-S. Appropriately funny. This person says, quote, I remember when the plus size section was located in the department stores by the luggage and freight elevator. It's fine to bring it in to maintain the level, but it doesn't need to be showcased display at the main entrance. First, got 128 likes. And some by the name of Fortress America replied saying, quote, by the freight elevator, unquote, too funny, getting 62 likes. Which again, we can also argue the cultural detriment of a society that rewards people for being morbidly obese and unhealthy. Because statistically speaking, that is one that is the number one most preventable thing uh, cause of death in the United States. Which, again, there are many variables, including what they put in the food these days, what people are consuming, their active lifestyle or lack thereof. There are many variables to that, but a cultural thing and a moral thing we could ask ourselves is, is it good for a company to glorify those acts? To glorify that health style? Which, again, if you look at the number of detrimental health styles for being bigger than smaller, the bigger has much bigger health problems, pun moderately intended. Some by the name of AJ4Value said, quote, Body positive is just another way of celebrating being overweight. Obesity is the largest, pun intended, and most expensive issue for U.S. medical system. We need to come to the aid of people dealing with weight issues, not celebrate the problem. Being fit is sexy. Focus on fit, not fat, unquote. This person's got 64 likes, which I think is a good point as well. And they actually did say pun intended in, in the little commas. They knew what they were going for, which, again, men are another great example of why men and men, how men and women are different. Women thrive under words of positive affirmation. Most of them really appreciate it, and the best way to motivate many of them, not all, calm down, but tell them they are doing great in the gym if they are, and encourage them to be healthier. We have decayed to a culture of mediocrity and just saying, oh yeah, everyone's good just the way they are. Where I say, absolutely not. Everyone could always be better. Of course, even my, of course, especially including myself. I think everyone should always exercise daily, read a book daily, try to improve some skill set every single day. And in the aggregate, over time, you'll see some fantastic, phenomenal results. And one of those disgusting excuses I always hear, which drives me up a wall, is when people complain and they say, I don't have time. Which is ridiculous. If I can work over 100 hours a week and I can find time to work out, everyone in America can. Literally everyone. But nevertheless, back to the comments. Some by the name of Eat Fast Eat Reply saying, quote, Despite everyone's best endeavors, it's not been enough to carry the day. They tried wokeness and it didn't work. A market lesson for others, unquote. Person got 195 likes. Mickey from the Bronx says, quote, Amazing how these businesses pay big bucks to come up with these ridiculous woke marketing campaigns. The average consumer could have told them it was a bad idea, unquote. They got 93 likes. Now, interestingly enough, in terms of this being a cultural and somewhat a political issue, I don't know, the average person may think it's a good idea. I mean, you gotta remember the average person, I mean, 
they're okay with mediocrity. They're okay with just you know the status quo. They don't want to push themselves to the limit, I would say, in most cases. So that's perhaps even more concerning thing is what's the percentages or the percentage of Americans who think it's a good thing. Let's see, let's do one or two more comments here. Freedom Rings. Say A plus for their uh, little profile name there. They say, quote, Wall Street and corporate America keep listening to the woke children instead of paying attention to adults, unquote. The person got 51 likes. Now, that being said, when it comes to the ideology of woke and that being a political issue, it's not just children, it's multi-trillion dollar investment funds. So they're not just doing this for one reason alone. It's not a single variable analysis in terms of that regard. The largest holding companies in the world are overwhelmingly ideologically more on the left side of the political spectrum. And depending if your business needs funding or big banking, there are a lot of pressures on businesses these days. Let's see here. A couple more comments. Let's see here. Oh, you do have some pejorative. So MK says, quote, selling one size fits all inclusive potato sacks works well if you're towing the party line in the former Soviet Union, unquote, getting 20 likes. Let's see here. Nathan Smith said, quote, Megan Rapinoe, the U.S. hater, is the worst possible spokesperson ever. Well, maybe Adolf will pull worse. That's about it. She got Subway canned and Subway sold all of her appearance. Unquote. Got 55 likes. So needless to say, when it comes to the like ratio, or in this case, the comment ratio as well, looks like Victoria's Secret was initially, as a youth might say, ratioed. Let me know in the comments, would you ever buy Victoria's Secret again? Do you think, very similar to Bud Light, will there be a boycott necessarily? In this case, perhaps the heavier people might boycott the company. It'll be interesting to see what the future holds for them, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, you have Bud Light Buffalo tweet for their only remaining followers, bots, and freebie chasers. Now, this is one of those phenomenals where you have Bud Light is attempting to, they're attempting to social media. They're, they're kind of trying. It's one of those things where, again, Alyssa Heiderschild, who is, of course, the most brilliant marketing gal in history, very prominently on her LinkedIn profile, she says she's the first female in anheuser Bush history, VP of marketing. And she thought it was a great idea to partner with Dil Mulvaney, whose average audience member is 15 years old, is a trans activist, and they thought, we're going to give this individual a sponsorship or a campaign with a custom beer can with Dylan's face on it, which became the most perhaps valuable piece of business memorabilia when it comes to the impact on the business. They subsequently lost $400 million in sales compared to the same fiscal quarter last year. Q2 sales were down $400 million. Every week, their sales are about 30% down by dollar amount and 26 to 27% down by volume. Needless to say, their marketing department was subsequently fired, or t- technically speaking, Alyssa Hyreschild is on a paid leave of absence, which is so disgusting in America that you could destroy a brand and the company still has to worry about a lawsuit. She should have been fired instantaneously for that business blunder of the century of alienating 30% of your customers. Ridiculous to say the least. Now, they're trying to do the social media thing on Twitter. Well, 18 people do call it X, so let me know in the comments if you actually call it that, but they're doing 
what most bad relationships do. Instead of addressing the problem and apologizing to, you know, making a mistake, they're simply giving away free products. Now, they have this sweepstakes in an attempt to drown out the real comments. Everyone just has a reply of, they reply with the handle for the sweepstakes so they can attempt to win a case of Bud Light. Granted, that is a good example of how someone could be a winner and a loser at the same time. But what would you do? On the show, I think we've thought of 10 legitimate uses you could actually utilize Bud Light for if you were to win the product. Formerly, I said how you can use it as ballast if you were a hot air balloonist. So instead of having sandbags on the hot air balloon, you just have cases of Bud Light. And if you need to go higher, you just cut the rope and the Bud Light case would fall to the ground, which subsequently might hit someone in the head, which would cause less medical damage than actually drinking the product, probably. I also had some of the comments who brilliantly said a few ways you could also use it. Or no, this one was me. If you have a water outage in your neighborhood, you can actually use Bud Light to fill up your toilet so that when you, you can actually still flush it, even though there is a water outage, which is another good use case as well. Now, granted, it is against the Geneva Convention for cruel and unusual punishment, but, and again, I don't recommend this, but for torture, the CIA could use it to force inmates to drink it until, I was going to say, until they throw up, or more realistically, their tongues dissolve, or the taste is so viscerally disgusting, they give up their secrets. Again, that I believe that's cruel and unusual. I do not recommend or endorse that methodology of torture. Calm down. But in terms of what would I do? What was, what, what's a good 11th reason or 11th thing you can do if you were to win a case of Bud Light? Let me hear your, your ideas in the comments. On the spot, just kind of thinking off the cuff, so to say. If I won a case of Bud Light, what would I do with that product? Granted, aluminum is infinitely recyclable, so you could melt down the aluminum to make... Oh, shoot, you could make an AR-15 receiver, perhaps a cool sign to put up behind me. But if I won a case of Bud Light, what would I do with it? I know the lockpicking lawyer, very top of their YouTube channel, they showed how you could cut up in a can, and you actually use that scrap of aluminum to open up a lock. Now, that being said, the tough use case for if you were to win a case of Bud Light, instead of doing that methodology and cutting the can to use a piece of metal basically to pry into a little lock to open up, you could simply open up the can of Bud Light and pour it on the lock. It may be so corrosive and so viscerally disgusting that the lock just ceases, it gives up the will to work or exist, and the lock may dissolve into nothingness. That may very well be the 10th legitimate use that we could think of if we were to win that case of Bud Light. Let me know, what would you do if you won that case? Now, going over to this attempted tweet, they said, quote, when hashtag Buffalo Bills games ends, so does your chance to win beer money. Reply at easy to celebrate and at sweepstakes to turn every TD into a chance to win, unquote. Which shows they're just too lazy to acquiesce to actually spell out the word touchdown or touchback or touch ball, where the sports balls metaphor is for when they make a point on the scoreboard. And then they have a picture of someone with their hand not dissolving into nothingness, holding a can of Bud Light with the bowl, what was that? The bill, the Buffalo Bill, the little bull logo thingamajig. I was going to say painted on the can. Whatever methodology they use of imprinting, it is on the can. Of course, there's a big sign that says the official beer, or Bud Light is the official beer of the NFL. Which, not all the times, but more often than not, if you're an official whatever or whatever, it means you officially have a lot of money to pay for a sponsorship. So, needless to say, that does not impress me one iota. Now, in terms of the feedback, all the responses, it looks like, Hold your horses. Well, but hold your Clydesdales, perhaps is a better metaphor for Bud Light. Now, 
It looks like there may be one or two real responses. They certainly weren't for their investigation. Now, someone by the name of Kim Foreman said, quote, I can't, I want that can, unquote. She got three likes. Now, not to brag, but I'm on this tweet at N-I-C-T-O-P-P-I-N-G. I got two likes, but I would argue mine were real and the best likes on the planet. Pretty sure one was my company, but nevertheless, it looks like she has 325 hours and she is a serial reposter. It looks like she reposts for a lot of sports balls teams, including the Denver Broncos and Buffalo Bills, the NFL, uh, and a bunch of the subsequent crap that you can buy or win if you join sweepstakes. So, while having a lack of creativity to create her own content with a post or a tweet, it seems to be a real person, perhaps. Now let's see what else we got here for their comments. Let's see. Someone by the name of Contact Paper, who has 91 followers, did the hashtags. Let's go into this person's profile. I have no idea what this is. What? This person is so bored with their life. No, no, it's a, it's a original response. They're not just a retweeter. But they did a response... For a game in which you could win tomatoes associated with the NFL for a field goal game. Which, don't get me wrong, I love vegetables. They're great, especially if, if I have a little extra jingle in my pocket, so to say. I try to buy organic and, I don't know, to me, the materials look a little bit bigger and they taste a little bit better. But, nevertheless, how much time do you have to have to want to win tomatoes? Never in my life would I think there's a sweepstakes. So they do get... This, per, this company gets a B-plus for marketing because that is original. I never would have thought in my lifetime there'd be an opportunity to win tomatoes. Which, okay, I guess you learn something new every day. But this person's, let's see, they reposted. This person's a serial. No. Every day this person is posting saying I got X amount of points at N. S-T-O-N-S tomatoes at field goal feast game. Can you do better? Test your finger football skills and share your high score of a chance to win a Fanatics gift card. What? Okay, so you do get a gift card. It's not, okay, so that's enough for marketing. You don't even win the tomatoes. That that would be more original. How many, that'd be more unique. You could actually win tomatoes. But no, you just get a gift card for Fanatics, which again, perhaps is more practical, but really, I don't know. Okay, so this person's whole profile is giving stuff away and doing repost. A lot of, Jesus, hundreds of responses for the sweepstakes. Easy to celebrate. Really? Is it really easy? If you won a case of Bud Light, I can't help but think you'd probably, if you were, and I don't legally, I don't recommend this. It might be detrimental to your health. If you were to, as I was about to say, enjoy the beverage, let's be honest, open the beverage and insert it into your mouth, would you be proud of that? Would you do that on the front lawn? Or would you hide in the closet? Pun moderately intended. So we have a lot, hundreds of responses. One or two will get a like randomly. And they're just saying, oh yeah, easy to celebrate, sweepstakes, again, again, again. And they must be just drowning out the original comments by, by real people. Because usually we'll have rich money and they'll do the poll saying, hey, would you buy Bud Light today or would you buy anything but a Bud Light? 
And that's not there right now. And I'm not seeing the usual responses where people just have the throw up emojis. Let's see here. And again, these have to be programs that people are downloading or enrolling in. Because again, I'm looking at these profiles. Let's go to something by the name of, what's a good random one? None of these, a lot of these are unconfirmed too, or they don't have the blue check mark, so they might be hiding it. Let's see. This person looks like they might be real. Gene Columbi. Gene Columbi. All right, so she tweeted an original tweet. Oh, it's the BS again. Again, it's that BS at millions, where if you repost it, apparently you can get, enter a chance to win $100. Retweet for entry. And again, that stupid handle. That's half her, half her posts are around that one handle. So again, let me know in the comments, is this building brand loyalty? There's no contingency to, to you to share a picture, and I was about to say enjoying the product, tolerating the product if you were to win the sweepstakes or win the beer. In terms of marketing, that would have been a better idea. Say they have to retweet like a picture of them with the beer to try to show humans actually consume a product. Well, it's kind of an alleged rumor that anyone does these days. But I can't help but think this isn't really gaining you any additional customers. You're not buying back your original customers. You're just... Every one of these profiles we look at is just people who want free stuff from anyone. It could be Coors Light. It could be a competitor for all they care. It's, I was going to say, let's be honest, most light beer tastes about the same. Um, it, maybe Bud Light's a little bit worse just with the, the taste. Now, thankfully, I don't want to say I'm privileged, but I've been boycotting Bud Light since college. I, well, even back then, I preferred spirits. But let's just say I haven't had one in living memory. So let me know in the comments. Do you think this will... Will these sweepstakes actually work in terms of gaining market share back or gaining sales? Again, they're giving away products. They're getting people to respond allegedly to social media. I can't help but think they just have macro, they have something programmed to do it automatically for them. But let me know in the comments. Do you think that will help turn around their week average of them losing about 30% of their sales every week? It'd be interesting to see. Love to hear what you have to say, but you know me, time shall tell. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Ford could face $1 billion in federal fines due to new fuel rules. Oh, how ironic. I say that ironic because these companies, Ford, General Motors, and Chrysler, well, not Stellantis, or Stellantis, if you feel so inclined because they're European-based, and that might be how they're pronounced, perhaps. It certainly sounds more amusing. Now, they are all having to work with the United Auto Workers. The United Auto Workers giving their historicals they overwhelmingly support democrats and they actually pay for their campaigns so they're voting for all the things they're getting including killing the e killing the internal combustion engine which is the most profitable product but the proliferation of evs which again will mean less rudimentary simple labor it'll be basically a tech company so that's going to decrease some of their jobs and they get 40-year high inflation and guess what they, that's what the government also cost that was both sides political aisle throughout the years, but nevertheless, it's gotten worse. Some might say, oh, many would argue, lately. Now, it looks this is thanks to the Detroit News, which serving Michigan since 1873. I'm still shocked that they're still in business, to be honest. They should say my family got out there. They got out as soon as possible. Fascinatingly enough, from a cultural perspective, they used to be the richest city on the planet. Yeah, how times have changed and how cultures have changed as well. Now, it looks like Ford could specifically face 1 billion fines from 2027 and 2037 under the restricted proposed average fuel economy 
rules that target SUV and truck manufacturers. This according to a filing by the Dearborn-based manufacturer that has made made by the federal government. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has proposed a fleet-wide average mandate known as the Corporate Average Fuel Economy Standard of about 58 miles per gallon, or if you're foreign, 93 kilometers per gallon by 2032. The most stringent rules are part of Biden administration effort to cut emissions and accelerate the company, the country's transition to EV vehicles. So when people say I'm being too bombastic or they say I'm not being forthwith or forthcoming when I say the government's banning EV or banning internal combustion engines, they are. It's a de facto ban. It's this very thing. Because again, the company has to hit certain metrics. If they don't, then they, may, they face massive fines. They can't, depending on what the fines are, they may or may not be able to exist. So that's why we're seeing so many EVs. It's not consumer demand. That's not the overwhelming real reason these companies are pushed in that direction. It's government mandates, which ironically enough, depending on where you charge an EV, actually is worse for the environment since depending on where you live on the grid, they get their fuel or they get their energy from coal plants. So a little fun piece of irony. Also, just this Google image or Brave image, a lithium mine. There's a lot of acids involved to make that happen, needless to say. Now, it looks like, yeah, most hilariously, of course, it's going to hurt the American automobile companies because, again, the American automobile companies traditionally have been great at making the V8, the internal combustion engine. It used to be the gold standard. And then the Japanese came in with fuel economical vehicles, and that's kind of the trends you've been seeing throughout the past, I was going to say, darn near half a century. Now, it looks like, quote, this is, again, according to, what is this here? This is according to Ford directly. They say, quote, Ford has never paid civil penalties under the CAF program. And yet, by National Highway Traffic Association's own analysis, Ford would likely have to pay $1 billion in civil penalties if the NHTSA's proposal was finalized. This is alarming in and of itself and threatens the substantial economic hardship for Ford, unquote. Yes, very true and hilariously ironic. They voted for it. Well, their employees did. And... It's just one of those instances where, again, they're losing money on EVs. Ford, especially right now, the only reason they exist is because of Ford Blue. Ford Blue is a division of the company that makes the good old Ford Mustang, not the EMOC, the Ford Mustang with the internal combustion engine, the V8 and the stick shift that everyone loves. The Ford F-150, the original OG, as the youth might call it. The F-250, the 350, it's the best-selling truck in history. It's all internal combustion engines. That is a profit right now that Ford is making. The other car business, EV, they're bleeding money still. And again, they'll make a profit eventually, but it's going to take quite some time. It's going to take longer than anticipated as well, especially because their labor costs are going to go out of control after this whole strike with the UAW. No matter how they land, unless they're just higher band-aids, pejoratively known as scabs, it's going to be an issue where labor's going to go up when, again, the competition like Tesla, their labor is a lot cheaper. Partially because they're incentivized with stock to work like hell, Someone say the antithesis of a union in concept. Now, it looks like as if Ford rivals, General Motors and Stellantis, would also stand to face huge fines under Biden's administration's proposal. According to the Washington Post Trade Group, the American Automotive Policy Council, under the administration's current proposal, GM penalties would amount $6.5 billion over a five-year period, and Stellantis would pay $3 billion. And again, that's what these companies do best. Their core competency, and I would argue what a lot of consumers demand from them, is internal combustion engines. The good old V8, partially because a you know electric truck doesn't really work if you need it to tow, which is why many people would buy a truck to begin with. Now, it looks like the current rules call for automakers to re- 
achieve an average of 49 miles per gallon by 2026, which again is ridiculous in and of itself, whatever happened to a good old free market. Also keep in mind, one of the biggest detriments to this is not only do you need a fleet average, which we actually got that fuel economy in the 80s. However, that was when cars were much, much lighter because nowadays they need to have 29 million airbags and you'd be able to walk away basically from any accident, which don't get me wrong, that's good. But as a brilliant man once said by the name of Tom Sewell, there's no solutions, only trade-offs. So in order to get the most safest vehicles on the planet, you have to have them weigh a lot because of all the safety features, including the myriad of airbags and sensors. And again, the heavier the vehicle, the good old average in terms of engineering, every 100 pounds you can remove from weight of the vehicle is a 1% increase in fuel economy. The inverse is the same. If you add 100 pounds, you're going to lose about 1% in fuel economy. Now, it'll be interesting to see. They noted that the industry-wide average for 2020 model year was 25.4 mile per gallon, according to the federal government's most recent data. And they say that Ford and other manufacturers typically comply with the federal fuel economy rules by purchasing credits from EV makers such as Tesla. Now, those credits are going to get used up eventually, I would suspect, and they also are going to cost more and more. So it'll be interesting to see. And it also is a great example of how politics, culture, and business are all interconnected. Because again, if the government was so small that they had no, mandated, no mandates like back in the day, I mean, it wouldn't matter what they feel like it was. It would be the consumer demand that would actually drive the innovation. In this case, these companies have their backs up against a wall, and if they don't do what the government says, they're going to face the fines. So depending on how big the fines are, it could put them out of business. So it'd be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. Would you ever buy an EV from the UAW manufactured fleet at General Motors, Ford, or Stellantis? Or do you think they're going to put themselves out of existence? Again, GM has gone bankrupt, I believe, three times by now since Billy Durant founded the company all the years back when he actually combined Buick as well as Oldsmobile to found the company. It'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. It'll be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Other interesting political news. You have DeSantis' tweet for Florida donating pallets of supplies to Israel going viral, getting half a million views in a single day, which, again, for DeSantis is quite good. I was going to say a lot better than his polling. That's saying, not, not you know, saying much since he started around 34% and went down to 14%. Again, there's a lot of time before the election, but needless to say, um, he needs a turnaround plan or Hail Mary as the football, sports balls and metaphors might warrant. Now, before the text, he actually, or before the pictures, he actually has two lines of text in which John DeSantis, again, this is his personal profile. He says, quote, or I guess his government profile he has the gray check mark. Nevertheless, it says, quote, Two cargo flights loaded with 85 pallets of donated supplies on their way to Israel. Florida stands with the people of Israel, and we will continue to help in any way we can as they fight back against Hamas terrorists, unquote. And again, he got about half a, no, a little bit, uh, yeah, half a million views in a single day. And again, in terms of being a Republican nominee, this is very much in line with the traditional Republican Party. So... In theory, the number of positive responses should be greater than usual. It's not saying much because, you know, Ron DeSantis, the comment section are kind of a little hit or miss. I mean, a good gamble. Again, I don't know what the Las Vegas odds are, but there's going to be a lot of pro-Trump um, responses in the comments, I suspect. We shall, I was going to say, let's place the bets, but again, this is a live, not a live stream, and I don't know if that's legal or pertinent or morally ethical, depending on what your beliefs are with gambling. But nevertheless, I think there will be. But let's dive in. So about half a million people who saw it, you got about 11,000 people who liked it. And we have some responses that are positive. Some named the real John says, quote, hashtag leadership matters, unquote. Got 21 likes. Pretty good. 
Now, LK111, which, not a very inspirational name. Again, I'm no doctor, but if you click subscribe, it might help my stuttering. It may very well be more legitimate than some hospitals and some medical practices. Perhaps. Time shall tell. Now, Miss LK1111, she says, quote, you're the only one acting like a real president right now. Thank you, unquote. And she got 130 likes. So, eh, a couple more positive than usual. Well, let's see here. Oh, and then we got a little detrimental or um, contrarian comments are starting to emerge. Some by the name of Summer 2013 with three oranges as emojis in their title, which normally I'm not approving of emojis in the name, but since this indicates the person lives in Florida, I'd say it's appropriate. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. This person says, quote, what about your own constituents in Southwest Florida still living in tents or those still without a roof? I hope you're not using Florida surplus for this, unquote. With, interestingly enough, a clever-looking emoji. Like that. That got 154 likes. A couple more positive ones. You have Paul Wazitsky saying, quote, Your leadership is head and shoulders above the rest of the candidates. Thank you, unquote. Got 41 likes. Although that is perhaps because his descent is allegedly using lifts inside his shoes to appear taller. A conspiracy theory or truth? Time shall tell. A lot of people say, a lot of people saying, getting between 10 and 13 likes, saying thank you, great job, Governor. Uh, someone saying praise the Lord. R.C. James saying great work, DeSantis, getting 31 likes. Adam Walker, this gentleman says Florida acting like a nation, unquote, getting 32 likes. Nina Bidenist 22A. This person says, quote, is that where all the M193 ammo went, unquote, getting 39 likes? Let's see here. Amanda saying, quote, weird McDonald's is giving them free food already, unquote, getting 42 likes. Uh, another contrarian comment, someone by the name of Kurt Bryant saying, quote, for what they are not the ones dying, unquote, getting 35 likes. Someone by the name of Joker007, although, disappointingly enough, does not have a picture of the Joker dressed up as 007. The profile picture is just a J. So they get an F for marketing. But nevertheless, Mr. Joker2007 says, quote, you're overdoing it. Israel doesn't need the supplies. Gaza needs them, unquote. That person got 79 likes. Let's see here. We'll do a couple more responses here. Someone else by the name of Pal Forever saying, quote, shame on you, U.S. host short more hypocrisy. They care more about APAC more than Americans, free Palestine, unquote. Getting 55 likes. So a couple more contrarian than I thought. The white rabbit, which the rabbit is gray, so the emoji is not very standing in their name. But nevertheless, a good um, homage or homage to the Matrix film, which the original one was fantastic. Now this person says, quote, help Israel. Children in Gaza are struggling to have food, unquote. Person got 122 likes. Mr. Rager says, quote, how much is APAC paying you, unquote, getting 109 likes? Somebody named of Catholic Miami, which they get an A-plus for marketing because it's for emojis, which normally don't approve, but they use a Bible, prayer, a rosary, and an alligator. So, I'd say pretty fitting. Now, this person says, quote, America and Florida last, dot, 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 continued, unquote, getting 87 likes. Somebody named of Kenneth Cole saying, quote, or it's just a GIF, or as youth might say, a GIF, I believe. And it's just a flashing image that says fraud alert. And it 
flashes between two colors. Which, say C- minus for laziness, that's a pretty simple GIF. But nevertheless, that did get 118 likes. So by name of divisive content, saying, quote, I thought Ron was running for president of the United States, not the president of Israel, unquote. Person got 299 likes. That's, that's got to be one of the top ones thus far. Let's see here. Uh, I'm actually surprised. There's usually a bunch of pro-Trump tweets or response tweets every time DeSantis says something. Uh, there's a couple of memes of DeSantis just saying you look silly. Let's see. Oh, let's see here. Mm. Then there's a bunch of ones saying, oh, I say this five to ten saying it's a political stunt. A lot of them are saying thank you, good leader, nice. They're getting between one and three likes on here. Let's see here. I think that's actually one of the most interesting things about the feedback that I'm seeing in this tweet. I'm not seeing any Trump responses. Interesting. I'm glad I didn't, pay, I didn't place a bet. I, I thought it was a sure thing, as some might say. And trust me, I am scrolling. But again, it uh, looks like the only the ones that are left in terms of responses, they're getting between zero and one likes. A lot of them are saying, you know, pre they're saying President DeSantis, thank you, good job. You have, let me see here. Some saying good work. Some saying Palestine's gotten enough aid. Some saying they get billions already. So interestingly enough, well, let's see. I'd say overall, in terms of moves on the political chessboard, I think it's a probably a prudent thing for him to do. I think it's going to gain him some political points being the Republican nominee and the historical support that Republicans have for Israel. I think I think that was a good move on the political chessboard. I was just really surprised. There's, again, there's no references to Trump in there yet. It'll be interesting to see how Donald Trump falls or kind of how his opinion comes to fruition on this particular issue. And yeah, it's a very divisive uh, cultural and political topic at the moment in the United States. So I'm not surprised there's some pushback in the comments section. And some of them are very popular in terms of a lot of people liked him. It'll be interesting to see, again, he's, he's faltered around 14% in the polls. It'll be interesting to see if this helps push him back up. Again, he started in the 30s. He's you know, close to neck and neck with Trump and then subsequently just went further down, down, down. Needless to say, like a good business or if someone were to come in and try to fix his campaign, I'd say, or perhaps he just needs Trump to come in the building and simply say, you fired to most of the people working there and subsequently hire some competent employees who know how to actually convey better value and get him some more political points in the polls. So right now the outlook for him, if you were to look at the Magic 8-Ball, it would say the outlook is not so good. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Nokia to lay off 14,000 employees due to the economic uncertainty. Now, this is one of those disappointing things in terms of business history and kind of just staying relevant from a cultural perspective. Most people don't even know Nokia still exists. They, at one point, were the most successful phone company in history. I mean, I believe they started off making paper. They've been around for quite some time, historically speaking. Now, they made the brick, which everyone knows is the most durable phone on the planet. The most popular phone in history is Nokia by number of units sold. And I don't see that changing anytime soon because every time Apple, every two weeks, they have a new iPhone 12, 13, 24. Granted, they're all about the same in terms of they look the same, same speeds and fees, maybe a little bit faster. But 
Nevertheless, Nokia was the most successful phone companies in history. People love their Nokia phones. The Matrix, one of the best movies ever. One of the most important pieces of, I was going to say, props in the movie is the cell phone. The iconic cell phone that he takes out of the envelope from the delivery driver. He clicks a button and it opens up. To me, that was the coolest. That was the coolest thing possible you can get in terms of technology at the time. Having, I, of course, no one ever fathomed you'd have color phones and images and videos. Back in the day, that was pretty cool. And lo and behold, they used a couple of Nokia phones in that film franchise. They're things of legend. But because of the pivotal moment in smartphone technology, they decided to move away. Like pretty much every phone company, they attempted to compete. But at the end of the day, I mean, BlackBerry used to be the OG in terms of market share as well. But at the end of the day, realistically, the market share became Apple with the iPhone and Samsung with the Galaxy and a couple other small ones. But those two are overwhelming majority of the market share. Now, that being said, Nokia is still a huge company. They are mostly now known for telecom. So the backend logistics and the networking for how you and I and most people get internet these days. Now, they're actually one of the most largest telecom manufacturers on the planet, very similar to Ericsson. Again, Ericsson, people used to know them because they had a partnership with Sony to make a cell phone. I used to have a pretty cool Ericsson flip phone back in the day, or Sony Ericsson design, that collaboration. But again, it's one of the largest companies on the planet, but they make things in the background that you don't really see every day. Now, it looks like when they're asking for commentary, Nokia president and CEO um, Pekka Lundmark said that he is confident in the, quote, mid to long-term attractiveness of our market, but is less certain about the near future. And he continued to say, quote, cloud computing and AI revolutions will not materialize without significant investment in networks that have massively improved capabilities. However, given the uncertain timing of the market recovery, we are now taking decisive action on three levels, strategic, operational, and cost, unquote. Which is very true. It's one of those things where it's one of those fun things in terms of jokes in IT that, you know, only 18 people might notice or understand on this joke. I always tell people there's no such thing as the cloud. It's just someone else's computer. Because <laughs> it's true. Because instead of having your computing power, your images, everything stored locally, you have it in a warehouse somewhere. Or you, we would call it a warehouse, but it's also known as a data center. And you don't own the computer. You're basically renting a little space on there. So security, you know, there's lots of concerns there. That's a whole industry in and of itself is cybersecurity for the cloud. But it's one of those things where... No matter, it's how I found my tech company actually, because I knew no matter how much things you put in the cloud, you always have to connect to the cloud and connect to the cloud securely. So in terms of networking, one of the biggest issues that's going to be in the next, I would say, a couple decades is going to be the bandwidth. Because again, there's going to be a lot of capabilities on someone else's computer, aka the cloud. And the more content you get, look at Netflix and all these other streaming services, 4K is becoming more and more popular. It's going to take a lot more bandwidth as well. The more data you're transmitting when you're uploading YouTube videos or downloading videos, this is going to take a lot more, lot, lot more bandwidth. So there's a lot of potential in the future. However, as he astutely said, in the short term, we have terrible, terrible economic uncertainty. I partially blame the government for being too big and involved in business. That's because there was a time the government was so small, it really didn't affect business. It didn't really matter. Which is why back in the day, no one really cared who the president was. There's just some guy in D.C. Or no one really cared because it didn't affect your daily life. Now, every industry is so micromanaged and micro-regulated as a single swift of a pen, but government could put you out of business. A good case in point would be if you're watching the whole episode, we talked about how Ford might have to pay billions of dollars in fines because of the new mandates for tailpipe emissions, AKA the government trying to kill the internal combustion engine, which is why you're seeing more and more EVs produced while not many of them are selling relative to the market. It's like consumers are demanding they really want it. It's the government forcing it with their hand or perhaps a better metaphor would be punching them with their fist. Now, 
with all the uncertainty, you're seeing this with a lot of businesses that even from my perspective, working in IT, when we work with businesses, a lot of them are concerned about the economy, the, the election. The, the number, of course, geopolitical is a huge thing as well. The whole Middle East being a whole story in and of itself. There's a lot of uncertainty that's stalling certain projects. Many of them are infrastructure. Now, in terms of this company being the back end logistics, there's a lot of people where the, the demand is fleeting. They don't know what's going to happen. They're putting the brakes. They're, they're pausing a lot of these initiatives, thereby decreasing the number of orders from the companies that do the back end hardware like Nokia. Now, they also say that they intend to hack chunks of their expenses, including reducing them by $844 million to $1.27 billion over the course of a three-year period with the aim of realizing a operating margin of 14% by 2026. Now, they noted that equates to roughly a 10 to 15% reduction in personnel expenses. And they say that, quote, the program is expected to lead to 72,000 employees to 77,000 employees uh, organization compared to the 86,000 employees Nokia has today, unquote. So it'll be interesting to see. And unfortunately, I'm not sure if they'll find short-term gainful employment quickly because the whole most industries are constricting their spend. They're trying to trim the fat, so to say. And it'll be interesting to see Given the size of Nokia and their presence in the back-end telecom that a lot of people don't realize, but it's still huge. I mean, the company, I would say the outlook is still good for the company. They will be around, but unfortunately, just due to the economics and perhaps because of their business decisions, they just become too bloated. And unfortunately, they're going to have to cut some of the fat, unfortunately. You have to say that it has to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, again, for taking the time to tune in today. Again, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October. So if you could click that button, they greatly appreciate it. Also, any feedback, even if it's harsh or critical, it's greatly appreciated. Throw it in the comments. So that way I know how to improve the show, make it better and better. Lastly, if you like the video, it also helps me know if the video is doing better or not. Or you can always put a down vote, and then I'll know. Maybe I need to work on the video. Although, if you don't comment, I'll know, I'm not going to know how to actually improve it. So it'll be interesting to see what the feedback is from this video. I appreciate it, nevertheless. Also, and lastly, don't forget to take the time to... Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone, just stay safe and fight the good fight.